Hi, everyone. This is Mike Epstein, and welcome to Speaking of the Arts. Today's episode is actually a live recording from the recent Arts Midwest Conference in Indianapolis. I got to lead a session on podcasting and the arts, and I was joined by two experienced podcasters, including Colleen Cook and Trevor St. Aubin. We cover all sorts of great topics, such as why should an arts organization do a podcast in the first place? What are the technical aspects involved with producing a podcast? how to think about podcast content, and marketing your podcast. Colleen and Trevor, if you guys are listening, thank you so much for your participation in the event. I learned a lot from speaking with you both, and I hope we can all connect again real soon. So, without further ado, here is my recent session from the 2018 Arts Midwest Conference. I hope you enjoy. All right, good morning, everybody. How you guys doing? Good morning. Thank you guys so much for coming out this morning on the last day or second to the last day of the conference. I know it's early. Um, we promise this is going to be a very informative, fun session, and our goal is for you guys to be inspired about podcasting, and no matter what level you're at, um, I think you're going to learn a lot. So my name is Mike Epstein. I uh, run a podcast called Speaking of the Arts, which is specifically for you guys, for presenters, for artists, for agents, for managers. And at the same time, I also run a booking agency called Epstein and Company. So shameless self-promotion, come to booth 219 if you're a presenter, and let's talk about booking some artists. Um, on stage with me here uh, are two very experienced podcasters, um, Colleen Cook and Trevor St. Aubin, and I'm going to let them introduce themselves. Um, Colleen, why don't you start? Sure. I'm Colleen. Um, I am marketer, and I have spent the last six years uh, at the Renaissance Performing Arts, a small-ish uh, nonprofit performing arts center in Mansfield, Ohio, and I started a podcast to just help engage with our audience and promote our season, and uh, it was super successful and uh, one of my most favorite marketing tools. Um, I'm now actually no longer uh, there. I started working at an inbound agency back in May, and I've become even more passionate about how helpful a podcast can be to your marketing mix. Uh, hi, I'm Trevor St. Aubin. Uh, I was the irresponsible one and just walked in, so I apologize for that. Um, thank God for coffee. But um, yeah, I started a small nonprofit called ArtSpeak. I'm from Indianapolis, I've lived here for seven years, um, and uh, the nonprofit we just started our podcast, well, technically we did a podcast last year, um, but we made a lot of mistakes, so we had to redo it, um, so technically I've done two podcasts, um, so it's called Art Speaker, uh, we just launched it a couple weeks ago, um, so it's very fresh, hot off the press, um, but yeah, Art Speak, uh, we're kind of just committed to sharing artist stories. Um, so we do a monthly event in the city called Art Speak Presents. Uh, one's actually coming up next Thursday, if you're from Indy. Uh, we have a fashion designer named Monique Burtz, and uh, we just kind of share their story. So. Great. So before we kind of dive into the agenda, just by a show of hands, who here is currently doing a podcast? Anybody? Two, okay, so one and a half or two people, maybe? Okay, okay. You're on the Great. All right. Okay, perfect. So some of the things we hope to cover today are why should you as an arts organization do a podcast in the first place? What are the technical aspects involved with doing a podcast? How to think about your podcast content and how to curate it? How to release a podcast? Marketing your podcast? 
and then we want to share some of our favorite podcasts that we, that we listen to and then just do a, a Q&A and you know, open up the floor for questions. So um, you're, you're welcome to take as many notes today. Uh, if you don't want to take any notes, that's fine. You can just send me an email. Uh, my email address is michael at epsteinco.com, E-P-S-T-E-I-N-C-O.com, and I will send you all of the notes from today's session. So I think we should start off, uh, let's talk about some of the primary reasons why the three of us do our podcasts. Um, Colleen, do you want to start us off? So can you talk about your experience, specifically how you created a podcast for a presenting organization? Yeah. Can everybody in the back hear me, or do you want me to lean into the mic? Good? Great. Awesome. Um, so when I was at the Renaissance, I inherited a pretty uh, traditional marketing plan, and uh, that you know, it's just basic like outbound advertising, and over the years, especially post two thousand eight, we saw dramatically decreasing audience engagement, new audience creation, and um, we really wanted to grow the younger uh, audience base into our into our mix, and so. Um, I got introduced to the concept of inbound marketing by some friends who were running inbound agencies and were like, you know, you should be doing this. And I didn't really have any great examples in the arts to look to at that point because at that moment in time, it just didn't seem like anybody was doing anything beyond a blog. And uh, even like for where we were at the time, like engaging with social good social media content was like, well, I guess you, you could hire an intern to do it for you, you know what I mean? So it was kind of, it was almost subversive. And so for us, we started uh, just brainstorming, how can we deliver value to our audience between shows? Because for our audience, their rhythm, um, we, did, we do a pretty diverse set of programming, so their rhythm of attendance might be one show every year, maybe two, maybe every other year. And so how do we keep that... Um, it's like the Gary Vee jab, 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 right hook. How do we keep those jabs coming between shows that they're interested in? And so uh, the podcast idea came out of just the fact that I love listening to podcasts. I was a pretty early adopter to podcasts. I was listening to them like 10 years ago, back when you had to like carry your laptop around to listen to it. And so uh, for me, it was like, I would love to just be a part of this medium. And the secondary aspect of that was that there's, a very low barrier to entry. Uh, as an arts organization, we had all the equipment we already needed because we were a performing arts center. And so we had good mics. And I had a laptop, and, and um, Audacity, which is the program I use to edit, is free. So it cost me $100 a year in a hosting fee, and that was it. So uh, it just seemed like a good fit for a limited budget and to do the thing that we were hoping to do, and that was just deliver value. And when your investment is so low, it just straight up didn't matter if anybody downloaded or listened to it because there's ROI immediately if anybody listens. So that was kind of how we got into it. Yeah, um, a follow-up question to the things you just said. What, what were some of the specific goals you had when you first started the launch? Did you have, were there any... Um, you know, metrics you were trying to reach or any, you know, what did you have in mind for the vision of it? Yeah, um, I, my biggest goal was just to find a way to give a voice to the people who had not typically gotten uh, a voice for our audience, you know, and so um, 
I wanted ways to expose kind of the humanity of our arts, arts org. While we are a small performing arts center in the scope of performing arts centers, in the community we are in, we are one of the largest nonprofits. And so we had kind of gotten a like local, almost like a bad reputation because we got a lot of the funding, we had a lot more resources than some of the other nonprofits. And so in, in our community, people kind of just uh, would dehumanize us a little bit because we were the big arts org when there were lots of little tiny arts orgs. And so I, we kept saying, oh, gosh, I wish there was a way to give, like to help people know that we were just like everybody else, like we are human beings and like we are all in this for the right reasons and how do we give a voice to that? So. In terms of like analytics, I didn't really have any at that point. I just wanted to like accomplish this thing. Um, I wanted to make sure that we were releasing on a regular pace. I didn't want to like skip uh, like content release, uh, but I truly, honestly, did not care if anybody actually listened. It was just like, if they do, awesome. Um, it was way better than expected. Like in the first couple months, we had like three thousand downloads, which to me was like. That, I mean, that would fill our, our house three times and it cost us no money. So that, that was a really cool cool thing. But I didn't have any great benchmarks at the time. Yeah, that's so great. So Trevor, um, can you talk about your experience when you first started yours? Mm -hmm. Same idea. What were some of the goals you had in mind? What were some of the challenges that came up? Yeah. yeah. Um, so we, so like I said, Art Speak, we're all about sharing artist stories. Um, and I think there's, uh, sometimes artists aren't always the most accessible. So we, podcasting is incredibly accessible. You click a couple buttons and you're like inside the artist's brain. So um, yeah, and then I also, so our event, it's kind of the overview of like who the artist is, where'd you come from, what's your story, talk about your medium a little bit. And then the podcast is a little bit more in depth of like, hey, how do you view success? How do you define that? Um, wh what, do you, what do you do for critique? Because what we've, we've noticed is a lot of people go to art school and they're just like bombarded with critique. And then when they leave art school, there's like no uh, entity to, you know, or a place that's conducive for critiquing. I mean, people, friends can get together, stuff like that. Um, so, and then we also just talk about like, what's the role of the artist today? Because I think um, artists can be kind of just big thought provokers, just in painting something and you can really change and inspire people. Um, so really, we just wanted to make, for our audience that we had, um, make the artists more accessible and just to give them a platform to share. I think in my experience, um, musicians and maybe like actors, uh, bigger actors, they have a lot of platforms to kind of share their stuff, but like a visual artist or a baker, they don't have these like platforms to share their story and stuff. So we kind of did that to be able to help share their story. Um, so yeah, so um, how we, we try to measure success by just mostly are we consistent? Because the only thing we can control is what we do. And that has just been like, have we been consistent? So the first time, the reason we stopped doing it is because um, we're all volunteers for this, for this nonprofit. Um, and we did like a couple episodes and then life happened. And then we couldn't do any more episodes. So, um, so and then we just stopped because we're like, okay, let's, let's go back to the drawing board. Let's make this better. How can we make this better? So we've kind of consolidated it, but now we have like, I think we have like 15 episodes just like in the bank, and, which is an incredible cushion. If you're going to start a podcast, have a bank of podcasts. That's like the biggest thing because uh, life will happen. Uh, but then after that, we, um, we just came, we came to this new one and we're like, okay, consistency. That, if we're consistent, if we're releasing an episode every week, like we said, 
that's how we measure success because you can't really control the outcomes necessarily. Like we can't control how many people are going to download it. We can market it as best we can. We can do other things the best we can. But like, are we are we consistent in marketing and are we consistent in releasing? That's kind of how we measured our success. That's great. And you, but you've also had experience doing live podcasts, yes. right? Yes. Um, because for my podcast, it, you know, we've never done a. Li- I shouldn't say it, we've done one live one. Have you done any live ones? Okay. Can you talk a little bit about some of the differences between doing a podcast that I would do, which is almost exclusively over the phone with um, an app or recording equipment on the phone versus live and in person? Yeah, I think it's uh, it's a little bit more... Live is a little bit more tricky because you're not... I'm not just like engaging with you. I'm engaging with you and then everybody else. So you kind of have to play to the audience a little bit. You can't just like, I'm going to... We're going to talk. Because you could just like start mumbling and like get really boring into the nitty gritty and people are going to start losing interest. So you have to kind of be aware of the audience and like how are they doing? How are they feeling? Are they engaging? Um, so yeah, that we, just, we just did it a couple weeks ago and it was, it was a very interesting experience. But we had like um, sound equipment, like everything, like lights and stuff. That was kind of fun. Um, but that was probably the biggest challenge of that was making sure the audience stays engaged and then we we did like a Q&A like throughout it which kind of keeps people people into it so that's great so for me the reason I started speaking of the arts was because as a small agency competing with a lot of larger agencies I saw it immediately as a way to network with other presenters that we're not currently doing business with Um, and so that was one of the goals from the get-go was could I feature a wide variety of presenters talking about a wide variety of challenges in the presenting world with the primary objective to be to learn from them. Um, And that's kind of been consistent throughout the process for me. And it's been really great. I mean, we've done episodes um, with Carnegie Hall, with their marketing director. Um, I mean, uh, Savannah Music Festival. I mean, we've done almost 40 episodes at this point. So that that was my primary goal is, you know, I don't really have an artist today that can fill Carnegie Hall, but my goal is maybe in five years I will, and I want to know those people. And at the same time, learning, um, as both of you have said, has been a big part of it. And it's, it's, to me, it's, it's just absolutely invaluable to understand the challenges that presenters are facing as a booking agent. So that's been a really good thing. Um, are there any other agents or agencies here in the audience? Nobody? Okay. I was going to talk about why an agency... Oh, I'm sorry. Anybody? Oh, great. Okay. Are, and are you guys doing podcasts? Okay. So, um, I I mean, that's the primary reason why I think as an agency you should do it. And then you can also feature your own artists. So there's the sky is the limit with content there. Um, I think we should transition for just a second and maybe talk about some of the basic technical aspects of recording a podcast. So, Colleen, do you want to start off? You had mentioned the barrier to entry is very low. Yeah, I mean, the reality is, is like, uh, first off, can I just like quick show of hands? How many of you listen to podcasts? Fantastic. All right, so the, the thing with podcasts, I think that there are two, like, really important things. One is that the audio quality is really good, because if it's not, that will distract you and make you ultimately tune out. There's a great podcast that um, I was listening to recently. It was really, really good content, but the audio was so terrible that I didn't finish even one episode because it was so distracting. So aud- good quality audio, and then great content, you know, like that's it. That's all you got to do. Um, so for us, we used, um, we had just like a good 
mic that we hooked up, but I also had a, um, a blue snowball, which is like a $50 Walmart mic. Like it is very, very basic and it gave me great audio and I put that into Audacity. I did a direct line like USB to my MacBook um, and used Audacity to record and edit. Um, and I just did some like pretty basic plugins. I, they might have come with Audacity. They might have been like aftermarket and somebody else put them on my computer. I don't know. Um, and just ran some filters, did some compression on the audio, cleaned it up so that there weren't any peaks. Um, and I didn't really know how to do this. I had done a little tiny bit of audio editing uh, in my undergrad, but I, we had a sound engineer on our team because we are a performing arts center. And so I said, hey, tell me what you, what you would recommend and show me how to do this. And he kind of just gave me a list of like, do this, do this, do this, do this. And that was my process, so. That's great. Um, Trevor, what about you? What are yeah, um, uh, how many Mac people? I see one. Mac people? Um, yeah, Macs, they have GarageBand. Um, you can use GarageBand. It's, it's very, very simple. Um, I'm trying to think. It doesn't. It doesn't cost to upload your podcast either, um, which is which is great. So it's it's very very low hanging fruit. Um, I'm sure a lot of us are connecting with artists, and I think I'm sorry. Technical piece. Um, I'm yeah. going to get into other things. Um, but yeah, you can spend like a hundred, two hundred bucks getting mics, getting cables, um, all that stuff. Um, what we use, we use a thing called an, uh, a Zune H4 or H6. You can get away with a Zune H4. Um, the reason is because they're very, very portable. It's about this big, and then you plug to plug things in, and then you turn it on, and, it, and you hit record. Like it's really good to go. Um, that's a really, really nice thing. Instead of, um, I don't love having my laptop in front of me when I'm interviewing somebody because I like to. I'm the guy who like I write things down so they know I'm taking notes, not like texting somebody or looking up Facebook. Um, yeah, so um, these mics are actually great. These are SM50, sure SM58s. These are kind of like industry standard mics. Um, like famous people are using these mics because they're just they're um, they're incredible, incredibly quality mics. I think they're a hundred bucks. Um, but uh, like you yeah, said, yeah. With these, like you want to, if you're doing two people, like you want to set them up so that yeah. you've got one per person and you don't, you like you, what we're doing right now is not a great way to use these mics yeah. for a podcast. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's it's you could probably you could spend less than hundred bucks. You could spend. I I, would, I I think we we went a little bit more because we have an actual like audio engineer who's in it. So he has like really nice microphones and he like lets us use it. But I think we spent like maybe three or four hundred bucks to kind of get us off the ground. So what do you use, Mike? Yeah. So for me, when I started, I knew the challenge was always going to be I'm doing it remotely. So I'm. I'm interviewing people, you know, I'm, I'm based in Boston, I'm interviewing people all over the country. We actually did one with somebody in Germany. Uh, so that, I needed to find a way to make sure the audio was good over the phone, but more specifically, you know, I don't have a landline, I just have a cell phone. So the first dozen or so, two dozen episodes, I used an app called Tape-A-Call. And I'm going to make a disclaimer with that. There, it has not been reliable, so I don't use it. In, uh, it has not been reliable 100% of the time, so I don't use that anymore. For whatever reason, uh, a few episodes, a, a few tapings in, it stopped. Mm -hmm. So I wasted this person's time. I didn't get it captured, so I, that was the end for that. Um, with Google Voice, you can uh, easily record a call for free. And so all you need is a Google uh, Voice number, which is free. 
and then somebody calls you on your cell phone on that number, and I think you hit like four on the keypad, and then it records the call, and the audio is great. And then Colleen had mentioned Audacity. It's a free program, and you can tweak the levels, and you can cut and paste. So between Google Voice being free and Audacity being free, I'm not really paying anything aside from the actual amount that I pay per year to host the podcast, and I use a service called SoundCloud, and I think it's, I can't remember off the top of my head, it's not that expensive, it's really not. And the great thing about SoundCloud, too, is you get access to all the analytics, and you can see who's listening, and what, you can look at all of it. So the cost of doing this, if it was cheap before, is even cheaper now. Right. so yeah, so why don't we talk a little bit about podcast content and how we all think about that and how we approach that specifically for our target audience. Colleen, do you want to start and talk yeah. about that? Yeah, so um, like I said, the Renaissance, their programming schedule is pretty diverse. And so um, every month we probably would have two to three different shows with two to three different target audiences. Um, but all of our audience came within about 50-mile radius of our theater. So... Um, what I did was I thought about who, who in the next few months would be coming to the theater, and what are the problems that they have? Why do they even go? Like, when you're when you're thinking about like, what am I doing this weekend? Uh, what's what's underneath that? You know, like what if you have if you have a spouse? Like, are you trying to reconnect with them? Are you trying to to form a deeper deeper bond with them? Or maybe you're just trying to engage with your community. Or maybe. Uh, Maybe you just love the arts and you just want to have an experience that makes you feel something. And so trying to figure out, like, what are their problems? And from that uh, position, our organization as the, as the guide to help them, help them solve their problems. And then that, from there, content ideas were, like, the easiest thing ever to come up with. Uh, and people to, to position into it. We did an interview-style podcast, so people to bring to the table for that that conversation, it was easy to come out of that. Um, so, for example, if um, if we were doing a symphony concert, and uh, the, it was a pops concert, let's say, um, and I wanted to try and just get get people to engage with it, it wasn't the podcast content was not to promote that concert, but it was to give the audience an opportunity to deeper engage with that concert. And so sometimes I would bring in a guy who does our pre-show lectures to just like talk about one of the works and say like, tell me the story of this composer. Like, why did they write this? And you know, it would get really rich and that's the sort of thing that they're not necessarily getting during the actual concert and it's not necessarily content that they're gonna get like even pre-show in a lecture, but it was something that was evergreen. And so even if two years from now somebody was to engage with that piece of content, it would still be valuable to them uh, and answer the question of like, like how do I, how do I, why, why does this matter to me? Why does, why does a symphony concert matter, matter to me living in central Ohio and working a nine to five, you know? So that, that for me, that was how I thought about content. And then um, I mapped it out over the course of our season, kind of based on the rhythm of when people would be attending. Uh, we released bi-weekly, so every other Thursday we would, we would drop an episode, and I would just try and get a few in the can. Um, I tried to have always like two or three ready to go and scheduled at any given time. Um, we had a little bit of a break there because I, uh, I had a baby in the middle of last year, and so 
we took like a, a three-month hiatus uh, as a part of that. But but with that, just trying to trying to keep that rhythm regular so that people knew that like every other Thursday, this is going to hit your feed and um, deliver meaningful content. And really, people, I mean, they loved it. They really engaged with it. It was uh, it was some, a way for them to kind of connect with people that they didn't usually get to. And I heard about it more than anything else we did. Yeah, Trevor, how about you? Um, content for us, so a lot of it started, again, the main reason why we did a lot of stuff is accessibility. We wanted to make artists really, really accessible. Uh, but then another piece of that is we want to help artists. Um, uh, what I've found is um, a lot of artists kind of tend to hang in their own camps a lot. It's like, I'm a musician, so I hang out with a ton of musicians. Visual artists kind of hang out with visual artists. Um, but at the core of it, and the foundation, like all artists and creatives, like we're kind of the same person. We just express it in a different way. So we, uh, the content we kind of brought ourselves around is like, how can we help other artists like see a different point of view, and maybe that could help them into their own world. I'm really fascinated by perspectives. I'm really fascinated that like two people can come to the to read the same exact thing, and they both can come to two completely different conclusions. Um, and I think it's really valuable. I think the more perspective we share, um, I think like the closer to truth you can get maybe. Um, I'm thinking out loud as I, as I say that, so don't quote me. Um, well, never mind. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, so uh, like, so the questions, there's basically four questions we ask and it's a conversational style podcast. Uh, we talk about these topics. So it's, um, what is success? So we ask the artist, how do you define Success, And it's really, really interesting to hear, you know, a musician, a photographer, and a dancer, how they all have different opinions of that. Um, critique, what are their thoughts on critique? How does the role of critique play into your work? Um, the third, what are, what, what are the threats to the craft or, or the challenges that they're facing? I think it's really, really valuable to hear people's challenges and how they tend to overcome them. Um, and then the fourth one is, what is the role of the artist today? I think it's, I think it's really good for artists to, to just think, like, why do I do this? Like, you could just do it just because you like doing it. That's totally cool. But there's some people who are just like, I do this to be, like, the front line of free speech. I want to, you know, you know, I don't know, take over Capitol Hill. I don't know. I'm like, okay, cool. That's great. But I think it's really, it's, it's a nice refresher to hear, like, a photographer who I'd probably never talked to. Um, here, like, hey, what's what's your role in the, in this world? Because we think I believe that artists are kind of at the forefront of culture. Artists create culture. We make things really, really cool, and then people start coming, like, to cities and stuff. Like, Indy, for example, is a city like historically, it's it's called Naptown. The reason it's called Naptown is because people they pull off, they take a nap, and then they drive away. But now, like, Indy's like. <laughs> Yeah, isn't that crazy? Um, Indy now is like a cool place. To, it's growing in culture um, because of like culinary artists. Like Jonathan Brooks is a guy. Um, James Beard, it's like a, this uh, culinary award. He just won it. Um, but like artists are making this city really, really cool because they're creating their stuff. So we think it's really valuable to hear from different artists and, and their different perspectives. So that's kind of the content of the show. Yeah, and for me, content... Uh, there's 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 an un, there's an there's limitless possibilities. So one example is we you know like most agencies here for these conferences we create our um, 1920 uh, brochure book. So we just did an episode where I myself and one of my other agents talked about 
the artists that we're working with and what shows they're doing for this season and what presenters can expect in terms of um, some of the technical aspects and what the actual show program is and stuff like that. I mean, that was, that was an episode. Um, we've done episodes where we've talked specifically about how a presenter markets their season. We did one with Aaron Greenwald at Duke, and he talked all about how he curates a season. Um, we did one with uh, Marty Wilson from, uh, from Maryland, and he talked all about how he creates, he uses different spaces to create performance opportunities. The sky is the limit. Um, and so that's been a real rewarding thing for me to learn more about Again, everything from the pre presenter's perspective. And you know, I just look forward to doing more like that because it's just, I don't know, I think part of this for me doing that is about learning in addition to networking. So that's been really great. I wanted to touch really quick on something Trevor yeah. said too. I, one of my favorite things that great podcasts do, um, just good content does, is like that there are connective threads. And I like mm -hmm. what you said about like you have this uh, like menu of questions that you you bring to every guest. I think that that's a great way to approach content too, is just to have a connective thread. Because even if the topic isn't interesting to your listener, they might listen just to find out how your guest responds to those questions. And that's a great way to deliver value, even if it's, it's something out of their box. Right, absolutely. So why don't we talk a little bit about how we do podcasting as it relates to marketing for the overall organization. So. For the presenter, how does it relate to their marketing mix? For the agency, how does it relate to their marketing, et cetera, et cetera? Um, Trevor, what, is, what are some of the ways you think about marketing as a podcast for what you guys are doing for your nonprofit? Yeah, um, yeah. I think uh, the big thing, marketing, is just consistency. Um, well, I think we're running into the challenge of, so ArtSpeak is its own nonprofit organization. So like ArtSpeak starts initiatives to help share artist stories. But what we're starting to see is like the more initiatives we start, like the more complex our marketing can be and it can get confusing to people. Um, but so we're only two things right now, so it's not that big of a deal. But um, is this more like how we've marketed? Yeah, how have you marketed? Yeah, yeah. How so right now, um, if you uh, on Instagram, if you want to, well, at artspeak. Can I do that? I don't know. Can we plug, plug it? I don't know. I feel weird. You're marketing. Plug it. Okay, listen, everyone, listen to me. At arts <laughs> at I'm just kidding. At artspeak.co. That's our Instagram handle. Um, but the biggest way to market ourselves, but also to grow the podcast, is we are doing. It's a giveaway. So um, when you release your podcast on iTunes um, for eight weeks, there's a period called New and Noteworthy. Um, you have a chance to be on their feature section. It's like the front page of podcasting iTunes. Um, nobody really knows how Apple actually picks it. Um, there could be some other reasons, but the main thing is like, it's Apple, they're cryptic, you know? Um, but for eight weeks, you have like, if you get X amount of downloads, ratings and reviews, all that stuff. So right now, our um, organization, we're in like a giveaway season. Um, so we're giving away like shirts, we're giving away like gift cards, um, we have a bunch of artists, like they'll draw something, like a self-portrait, so for like the next, I think probably like four or five weeks, we're going to be just doing giveaways every time we post something about our um, podcast. So that's kind of the big way. Um, and then we've done, I, we, we're doing hashtags. Instagram's our main medium of how we market ourselves. Um, but we do a lot of hashtags because people like will click a hashtag and then it's like, oh, that looks cool. That's eye catching. And then they'll kind of find it from there. But, um, but we also pay on Instagram. You can pay like six bucks for like two days 
and it will it could reach up to like a thousand people that like you wouldn't normally be reached. So, um, like uh, social media ads are not that expensive. I mean, they can range from like two to like I mean, you can spend a lot of money if you want to. But I mean, I got two bucks like in my pocket right now, so we can totally like pay for an ad for that. So that's kind of how we've been doing it lately. Yeah, that's good. Colleen, what about you? Well. Um kind of the first half of the question. So the, I talked a little bit at the beginning about why we did the podcast as part of our marketing mix to market the organization. And um, I'll just speak a little bit more about that first. So uh, when we were kind of early on in my experience there, anytime our local newspaper would publish an article about what we were doing, we would see an immediate spike in ticket sales. Immediate. And I could be running an expensive ad in that same paper for two weeks and see, see very little action, but the content was what spiked the sales. And I think that just speaks very much to the culture we live in, and it's why inbound marketing works, uh, is that like when you are delivering value without being salesy, uh, people, people are very savvy. You know when you're seeing an ad. And when you're seeing an ad, there's an instant hesitation to engage but when you're being delivered value, it's more inviting. It's, it's something that you feel like you've given permission to the person that's delivering that value to self-promote. It's why we're okay with the fact that Trevor just shamelessly plugged. His, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because, I, I'm not okay with it. <laughs> okay. No, but you know what I mean? It's like he's sitting here delivering free value for you this morning. And so, like, we're going to go check him out on Instagram later because it's valuable stuff. It's, you know, whether or not we ever give them a dime. It's, it's about delivering value. And I think that's just how inbound works. Is so like when you are delivering great, valuable content to your audience, you're, you're forming a relationship. You're building a relationship with them. And so finding ways to do that, avenues to do that, whatever that is, it doesn't have to be podcasting. Podcasting was a tool that worked for us, uh, for who we were trying to reach. But it could be video. It could be an, a special event. It could be, you know, a... It could be a lot of different things. There's a lot of different ways you could do it. It could be on social. You could be using the Instagram stories feature. You could be doing a lot of different things. But however you can engage is the thing. And so for us, uh, trying to find avenues for that to market our agency or market our, our organization in a really meaningful way for our audience, uh, that was priority one. And out of that came podcasting. Um, in terms of marketing the podcast itself, I, I didn't really market it. Like I, It was a tool that was just say, like, here, this is another way you can plug in. And so, you know, we, we certainly advertised it. Like, we, we talked about it at, in our pre-show speech. We talked about it um, when we were, you know, giving interviews in our community. Like, when, we, when our artists would go out and do radio interviews, they'd mention the plug podcast. We'd throw a little, like, icon up on our posters. Uh, we did some press releases and stuff like that. But... Uh, and of course, we like linked linked to good content on social media and in email, you know. So that would be how we advertise it. But in terms of like marketing the podcast itself, it was a marketing tool for us uh, to help just keep our audience engaged. So, um, yeah, I think just taking that content and delivering content to your audience is is how they'll engage with the podcast when they realize that's a way to plug into you. Yeah. Colleen has mentioned inbound marketing a few times. Does everybody know what inbound marketing is? 
Okay. Oh, so, let me explain it. Me <laughs> so, um, outbound marketing is traditional, like interruptive marketing. So, like you're driving down the road and a billboard interrupts that drive and, and catches you. You're scrolling through your Facebook feed, an ad pops up. That's interruptive outbound marketing. It's the, hey, everybody, I'm, I'm selling something, buy it. That's the outbound approach. Inbound is uh, about creating really meaningful, valuable content and giving it away for free and using, uh, it, it happens mostly through digital, but there are other ways to inbound uh, that aren't just digital. Um, giving that content away for free and letting people come to you for it. So you might use an outbound advertising method to pr promote that, or you might not. Um, we have a, I work at an inbound agency now, and the, we have a client yesterday morning. It was so cool. Uh, they just started with us, and we helped them create an ebook. And they called us, and they said, hey, we just got a new, like, big customer because this customer Googled, how do I communicate with my employees? Our ebook ranked. They downloaded it and called us and said, what, send me your pricing. I'm ready to buy. And so it wasn't, there was no effort on their part. There was no sales process. It was just like they're ready to buy. And the sales process happened because they delivered meaningful content that, that delivered value to the customer and addressed a problem that they had. And so then naturally that, that sale came out of that. That's, the in, that's a perfect example of how inbound works is like if you're creating meaningful content on your website, if you're creating meaningful content among your, along your brand mix, people will come to you because they have a problem and they need an answer to that problem. So even if it's a, what am I doing this weekend? Or if it's a, like, why, why should I give a crap about the symphony? Or what do I even have in common with Mozart? You know, whatever, whatever, that, whatever that question they might have is they're gonna, they're gonna come into your marketing mix for the content and they're gonna stay because you're building a relationship. Yeah, and I got to do an interview with the VP of marketing um, at HubSpot, and HubSpot is one of the leading inbound marketing platforms, and shameless self-promotion, check out that episode on speakingthearts.com, but one of the things I learned from speaking to this person was, uh, in addition to a lot of stuff that Colleen just said, is when you have content, and we can just use podcasting as a great example, you don't have to worry so much, unless, it, unless you want it to be really timely to an event coming up, Content builds. So mm -hmm. if I post an episode and seven months later somebody listens to it and then comes to me and asks me about it, that's still really valuable. Um, so I. Yeah, and jumping off that too, content begets other content. And so if you create uh, what we call cornerstone content, so let's say, um, I don't know. I mean, like, we're, we're in a content-driven field, you know? Like, our product is content. Sure. And so if we create something, taking off little, like, breadcrumbs from that and giving people valuable ways to connect across social um, also delivers value. And so you could take this podcast and take a soundbite from it and throw that on social. And you could take a quote and make a little static photo. And you could take, like, a quick little audio snippet and throw that out. You know what I mean? There yeah. content begets other content, and it's opportunities to deliver value to your audience. Absolutely, yeah. So maybe before we sort of wrap up and do a Q&A here, why don't you guys talk about some of your favorite podcasts in addition to the ones that you're doing on your own that you listen to? Trevor, what are some podcasts you recommend everybody here check um, out? So I, lo I love casual conversational interviews style podcasts. Um, so the podcast that really influenced the podcast we're doing now it's called The Nerdist. Oh, actually, it's not anymore. They just changed. They just rebranded. 
I think it's called ID10T now. Uh, but basically, the guy just started it, and then it grew to be like this Nerdist Industries, which, which is this massive company. Um, but yeah, so his name's Chris Hardwick. Um, he, talking, talking Dead, if anybody watched that, that's like his thing. Um, I do, I enjoy Joe Rogan's podcast, uh, The Joe Rogan Experience. There is um, How I Built This, that's NPR. Uh, I like that one a lot. Startup is a fun one. Um, it's really cool to hear, like, that's like, it's just really cool to hear people, like, struggle, you know. There's nothing more, like, better to me than hearing someone else struggle, and then I can be like, thank you. That's me. That's me. Um, I do, what else? I listen to some political podcasts, but I won't say that since they're so polarizing sometimes, but, uh, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of other things. That's about it. Yeah. Colin, what about you? I am, I'm... I am just a sucker for a great story. So uh, there are a few podcasts that I listen to that are really story-driven. Um, my favorite of those are um, the anything, almost anything that Gimlet Media puts out. So I love Reply All. That's like one of my top favorites. Uh, the show Criminal is a really great story-driven podcast. And um, there's... Uh, there's a few interview style shows that I really like. Uh, one is uh, it's totally like a girl show. So like if you if you are in my demographic, you'll probably like it, and if you're not, you for sure won't. But it's called Sorta Awesome. And then there's one uh, that's just like a pop culture uh, show that is hysterical called The Podcast with Knox and Jamie. That is like like those are my ride or dies. If they if they hit the feed, I'm listening to them right now. Yeah. So for me as an as an entrepreneur, I'm always tuned into business-oriented podcasts and entrepreneur podcasts. So the Tim Ferriss Show is one of the most popular podcasts in the world, and I've learned a lot from listening to him. One of the main reasons why I actually started Speaking of the Arts was because another podcast that I listen to that I enjoy and I learn a lot as an entrepreneur is called I Love Marketing, and their website is literally ilovemarketing.com, and they've done probably over 300 episodes at this point and featured business leaders of all in different industries, specifically around the conversation of marketing. But their earlier episodes, for me when I was starting out and trying to grow my agency, were very valuable. And it was very conversational, it was very relaxed, but very informative. So, and I listen to it still to this day, so I love marketing. Um, so I think we should kind of stop here and do a Q&A. So can you guys uh, join me and give Trevor and Colleen a round of applause today? <laughs> Participation being so great. And a, and a round of applause for Mike as well. Yay. Yay.